and welcome to episode 49 of the Reconomy podcast, where we discuss economic issues that impact real estate, housing, and affordability. I am Odetta Kushi, Deputy Chief Economist at First American, and here with me is Mark Fleming, Chief Economist at First American. Hi, Mark. It's almost Halloween, and in today's episode, we'll talk about whether the housing market is likely to give tricks or treats this season. Uh oh. Hi, Odetta. Happy almost Halloween. Wasting no time jumping into today's topic, I see. Well, we've got a lot to cover. Today, we're going to discuss three spooky facts about the housing market, or maybe I should say the haunted housing market. Uh, was that the last Halloween of the Halloween quips, or have we got more to come? Witchful thinking. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, now I'm done. I'm done. That was the last one, I promise. It's no surprise to anyone that the housing market is cooling and fast, and it has both buyers and sellers a little spooked. In fact, the top housing-related search phrases have been real estate housing market crash, will home prices drop in 2023, when will home prices go down, will house prices go down, a little repetitive there, and how much house can I afford? You get the point. And it's no wonder the 30-year fixed rate mortgage rate is up approximately 3.7 percentage points relative to one year ago. That's the biggest annual jump since 1981. Wow, that's got me really spooked. Nope, not done yet with the Halloween quips. (laughs) Verbal eye roll since I can't actually provide one on film. That affects both buyers and sellers, which brings us to our first, or maybe second for you, spooky fact. Care to take a guess? Well, you led with mortgage rates, so number one must be the rapid decline in affordability because of those fast-rising mortgage rates. Correct. According to our latest RHPI data from August 2022, housing affordability has declined by 66% since its recent peak. We're looking back to 2020. In June 2020, as the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage increased by two percentage points. That decline in affordability is further reflected looking at annual data. The RHPI is up nearly 50% on an annual basis, and this includes the most recent month in the RHPI when rates dipped a little bit on a month-to-month basis, providing just a tiny bit of relief. That decline was short-lived as rates have since resumed their incline. But why is this scary? For home buyers, there are a few options to mitigate the loss of affordability caused by higher mortgage rates and rising prices. One way to offset the decline in affordability is with an equivalent, if not greater, increase in household income, and that was hard to come by. Um, Another option is choosing an adjustable rate mortgage, an ARM as they say, which typically has a lower rate than the 30-year fixed rate mortgage. But unfortunately, even though higher income higher household income and arms have helped to increase consumer house buying power, they're not enough to offset the loss of buying power from those higher rates and fast rising nominal prices. So I want to touch on a point there. Arms, adjustable rate mortgages, can make something really scary like the fast decline in affordability less so, right? That's right. As mortgage rates continue to rise, more and more buyers are choosing to apply for those ARM loans. The ARM share of applications at the end of September reached 12% by loan count, which is the highest it's been since 2008. The average contract interest rate for a 5-1, let's explain what 5-1 is. That is, the first number is the number of years that the rate is initially fixed, and the second number is how many years it takes for that rate to adjust to the prevailing market rate at the time. So a common 5-1 hybrid arm is currently at 5.36%. Compare that to the prevailing 30-year fixed rate mortgage during the same time period at 6.75%. So that's more than a percent difference of benefit in a lower interest rate. 
an arms increases consumer house buying power by approximately $53,000, not an inconsequential amount, compared with a traditional 30-year fixed rate mortgage. So yes, a little less spooky, right? Yeah, that's a game changer. $53,000 is a lot, particularly during these times. The option of an arm can also incentivize some of those rate locked in homeowners to sell, which brings us to spooky fact number two, sellers aren't selling. While inventory has moved up a bit, new listings are down compared to one year ago. What's up? Yes, that's a seller's strike. I love that phrase from Bill McBride, a calculated risk. They're acting quite rationally in that sense, though. Data from the FHFA National Mortgage Database for the second quarter of this year reveals that 93%, so practically everybody, who have outstanding mortgages have rates somewhere below 6%. Yes, practically all of them. That's a spooky fact. 85% have rates below 5, 65% below 4, and 24% below, percent below 3. Wow. So more than half of all outstanding mortgages today have rates that are more than 2 percentage points below the current 30-year fixed rate mortgage. That is far, far, as we say, out of the money, air quoting there, as they say in high mortgage finance. Oh, wow. That's, that is a spooky fact indeed. Well, first, that really makes it clear why refinance demand is down nearly 90% compared to last year. And second, to your point about home sellers acting rationally, if you're one of those 85% of homeowners with a mortgage who locked into a rate below 5%, what is your financial incentive to move and potentially lock into a rate that's approaching 7%? Well, rationally, not much of an incentive, but irrationally, as we know, maybe something else. Although again, that arm has a lower rate and could be one option to close that out of the money gap. All right, so let's recap here. Our number one spooky fact is the rapid decline in affordability, which reduces demand for homes. Spooky fact number two is that the rate lock-in effect is keeping homeowners from selling. That tells me we should continue to see a contraction in sales and slower house price growth. Yes, a continuation of the cooling we've already been experiencing. House price appreciation has slowed relative to the peak in all of the top 50 markets that we're tracking, and that's a trend that's likely to continue for as long as rates remain elevated. But of course, home sales are still happening. We can't ignore all of the equity that's built up over the last few years. Our analysis shows that homeowners have an average of $317,000 in inflation-adjusted equity in their homes as of the second quarter. That's a historic high. So for some of those equity-rich homeowners, that means moving and taking on a higher interest rate isn't a huge deal, especially if they're moving to a more affordable place. That's a great point. And then there are always other reasons for moving, downsizing, changing jobs, or moving to that less affordable or affordability scary market. Exactly. All right, so we get to our third spooky fact, and that is rents. Rents are high, and that matters because rent or own, you need a place to live. So what's going on with higher rents, and when will they maybe start to come down a little bit? The rental and purchase markets are actually inextricably, that's a tongue twister, tied <laughs> together. In economics, we call them substitute goods. You can live in a home that you rent or live in a home that you buy, but you're, the service that you're getting from them is shelter. A household chooses either to rent to get that shelter, substituting one for the other based on market conditions, cost effectiveness, lifestyle preferences. The rental market is currently benefiting, actually, from extra demand from those who have 
those who otherwise would be homeowners right now, but have been priced out of the purchase market or can't find something to buy because of that seller's uh, strike that we just talked about. In other words, high mortgage rates and reduced affordability is preventing renters who are hoping to be homeowners from transitioning into homeownership. And general inflation, in addition to rising rents, could cut further into a renter's ability to save up for a down payment. But going back to the original question, what drove the double-digit rent growth and what could be contributing to its current deceleration? Well, you have the obvious contributions such as higher wage growth. As wages grows, people can afford to pay more. That drives up the rental rates that people are experiencing. But perhaps less obvious and more difficult to measure here is the impact of household formation or lack thereof. But hey, rather than me being the one who always has to explain these econ wonky terms, Odetta, care to explain? Darn, you caught on that I always leave that to you, but fine. The official definition of a household, according to census, is, quote, a household includes all the persons who occupy a housing unit as their usual place of residence. A housing unit is a house, an apartment, a mobile home, a group of homes, or a single room that is occupied as separate living quarters, end quote. So if you're in a college dorm or in your parents' home, you're either not considered a household or you're part of your parents' household. But if you're currently renting an apartment with roommates, you are collectively a household. If you decide to move out on your own because you're tired of doing your roommate's dishes, you would form a new renter household. Higher wages, what you might need to move out of your parents' house or leave your roommates encourages more household formation. Lazy roommates with dishwashing phobia. I feel like maybe <laughs> you're speaking from experience here. That would no, definitely- me. <laughs> that no, me. not me. That would definitely do it for me. What we suspect happened over the pandemic is roommates decoupled. That's the term we use for when you get sick of those roommates, right? Um, for moving out. And people who moved out of their parents' homes as well put all the extra pressure on rental demand. So you have this surge of household formation, additional households wanting to rent. But on the contrary, what we suspect is happening now is given all of the economic uncertainty that we're facing is that that rate of household formation is actually slowing. That makes sense. If you're not feeling confident in the economy and your job, then you're less likely to get your own place. This takes some of the pressure off of rental demand, likely, likely what we're experiencing now. So this is a classic uh, <clears throat> on one hand and on the other. How predictable of an economist. It's kind of scary how predictable. See what I did there? See? Yes, that was fantastic. Oh my See what goodness. I did there? Fangs, vampires. Kudos. Okay. Okay, continue with the economisting. Um, okay. I'm so flabbergasted right now. Okay. On one hand, <laughs> higher mortgage rates have made it difficult for renters to purchase a home. That keeps those people renting for longer and demand high for rental properties. And on the other hand, we're likely to see slowing household formation, which will take some of the pressure off rental demand, likely putting downward pressure on prices on one and on the other. One and the other. But we can't forget the supply side. There are the highest number of multifamily units under construction since 1973. Those will eventually be net new supply added to the market, which should also help to pull down rent growth. All right, well, those are our three spooky facts about the housing market. But just as Halloween will come and go, so will the hard times in the housing market. Housing is not immune to the business cycle, and we know that the business cycle has peaks and valleys. What goes down will eventually come back up. 
Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Reconomy Podcast. If you have an economics-related question you'd like us to feature on a future episode, you can email us at economics at firstam.com. We love to hear from our listeners. And as economists, you know we love our metrics and data, so if you enjoy listening to the podcast, please make sure to give us a rating on your favorite platform. And as always, if you can't wait for the next episode, you can follow us on Twitter. It's at Odetokushi for me and at mflemingecon for Mark. Until next time. We are dying to bring you even more economic content. So please visit firstam.com slash economics. Yes, master. This episode is copyright 2022 by First American and all the rights are reserved.